Good morning to you all. I think Flora maybe should have done this beatitude somehow, but uh, here I am. Um, I have to say before I say anything at all, actually trying to do this beatitude, it was not only just difficult to try and write down, but I also found it very difficult to actually think about talking about this. So anyway, in wishing you a very good morning, the beatitude that we're going to look at today is, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And as I was preparing this message, my mind raced back to the early 1980s. It was a time when many Christian denominations were being blessed with a new wave of the Holy Spirit. And for many like myself, it was a new experience of the power of the Christian life, how to live in it, and how to live in it with its fullest measure. Things like hand clapping, the raising of hands in worship, tongues and interpretations became the norm. And even flag waving, with many people ducking and hoping that their eyes would remain in place. And it was certainly a new experience for myself. But it was at this time that I had my first traumatic experience of this new way of living the Christian life. An older man, obviously joyful in the Lord, came bounding over to me, hugged me in a bear-like grip, and joyfully told me how much Jesus loved me. Rooted to the spot and fearful for my life, I was frantically looking for the church's exit door. But thankfully, the Lord rescued me. Another man seeing my dilemma, and obviously unfazed with all these new ways of the Christian life, gently led me away. And he told me that in life, there are four types of peace sharers. Now, apparently, they are huggers, kissers, shakers, and peacemakers. So just to confirm to all of you, I am a shaker. <laughs> and I am shaking now. But the point I'm making is that I'm happy to grasp your hand, to give you the most sincere welcome, avoid eye contact with me, and let's carry on with the rest of the day. But what is a peacemaker and those called the sons of God? Now, in a world that is full of disruption and discord, are more often than not bad news. The gospel message of peace, the great commission of Jesus to go out into the world and to make disciples and to bring the good news of love, peace and hope has not changed one iota over the last two millennia. And Jesus sends his church out, he sends us out individually to be peacemakers. And as in all the other Beatitudes. It's not a choice, a nice thing to do. It's a command from our Lord. And the reality is, we do not get a choice or to choose what type of world that we live in. But to find out what a true peacemaker is, we first have to dispel any kind of misconceptions. And the First World War lasted for four years, the Second World War 
for almost six years. And it was at the cost of millions of people's lives, both military and civilian. And the Holocaust itself was at the cost of six million Jewish lives. And I should add that many Christian men were called, went to war in both conflicts to fight for freedom and world peace. And many of those men did not return home to their loved ones and friends. The likes of Winston Churchill, who was the Prime Minister at the time of the Second World War, two American presidents, Roosevelt and Truman, sent men to war to stop world conflict. Yet to Bing priests, negotiation was never going to be enough. They had to take men to war to stop the conflict. And the point I'm making, and a difficult concept to grasp, is that the peacemaker, or the act of peacemaking, is never the avoidance of conflict or strife. The word strife itself means bitter or vigorous conflict. It relates to discord, and it can mean to be quarrelsome or to quarrel. And conflict and strife is often caused by hatred, gossip, selfishness, the corruption of the tongue, pride, and being quarrelsome. And the above traits just mentioned are not or are the complete opposite to the fruits of the Spirit that the Apostle Paul talks about in the book of Galatians. As far as I'm aware, the Bible itself does not teach us to run from conflict, to place our heads in the sand with the hope that whatever conflict we are facing will disappear, mainly because the avoidance of conflict the chances are the conflict will not get any better. And the Bible also does not cause us, call us, as far as I'm aware, to the act of appeasement. In other words, peace at any, at any cost or any price. The truth is, you can't please everybody at the same time. The Beatitudes requires us to look at ourselves, to our character flaws, our own characters, and allow Jesus to begin a transformation within our hearts so we can begin to apply the Beatitudes to our hearts and our minds. David, in the Bible, anointed by the prophet Samuel to be king, found that in waiting his appointed time to become king and being trained by God for kingship would be in constant conflict with Israel's then King Saul. And Saul often attempted to kill David. If you know the story that David, whilst in the cave at Adullam, when hiding from Saul, Saul unwittingly went into that cave, not knowing that David was there. And David's men encouraged David to kill Saul. But David didn't. But what he does do is cut a piece of cloth from Saul's robe. But David, in reverence for God, became a peacemaker. David then confronted Saul, 
he showed him the piece of cloth that he had cut. And he showed Saul that he respected him as Israel's king. And Saul initially repented and made initial appeasement with David. Yet Saul remained hard-hearted. And David remained in conflict with Saul until God removed him from power. The apostle Paul remained in conflict all of his life, often flogged and beaten, imprisoned for spreading the gospel message of love and peace. Paul confronted false religions, other people's sins. He gave warnings about false doctrines within the church. And Paul confronted those in authority. He told us that even as Christians, we would be in continuous battle with sin. But Paul wanted to win souls for Jesus. So Paul was a peacemaker. You never found Jesus trying to appease anybody. And certainly not the Pharisees of his day. He once even called them a brood of vipers. Tough words from our Lord indeed. Jesus was in constant battle with sin, the dark forces and spiritual darkness, or spiritual darkness, the powers and the principalities that are against humanity and the kingdom of God. But Jesus always spoke the truth. He was gentle in his approach to people, his compassion totally undeniable. Jesus was the perfect peacemaker. No sin and no character flaws. Therefore, our perfect role model. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, it says, from the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has been subjected to violence and violent people take it by storm. And theologians believe that there are three or four different interpretations to that verse. The verse definitely indicates that John the Baptist ushered in the kingdom of God. But one of those translations to this verse is that by entering God's kingdom, it takes a lot of courage. In other words, becoming a Christian takes courage. It takes unwavering faith and endurance to the growing opposition to the gospel message. So conflict can abound in the Christian life. So in finishing the first part of this message, I'm saying, firstly, as Christians, you are going to experience conflict in your life. It may or may not be as dramatic a conflict like King David or the Apostle Paul. In whatever that conflict is, you are not called to run from it, but to deal with it. Secondly, being a peacemaker is doing it the Jesus way. Maybe today you are in conflict with something or other. But Jesus would tell you the right way to deal with that. So, in moving on, what did Jesus mean by being peacemakers? Well, one definition is, it is someone who actively seeks to reconcile people back to God and to one another. And in Matthew 5, 43 to 45, it says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemies. 
But I tell you the truth, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father. In other words, the sons of God. You know, as we've gone through this series of the Beatitudes, for myself, I don't think there's one that's easier than the other. And I have to confess to you that the message of blessed are the peacemakers was a serious challenge to me. And I wondered how many church ministers or lay preachers have walked away from the pulpit and thought, Lord, thank you for delivering me or helping me deliver, me, uh, deliver this message. But I've fallen short in applying today's message to myself. And I've honestly questioned myself, am I a peacemaker? And the truth is 100% I don't know. To be a peacemaker is all about love. Having an undivided heart for the Lord Jesus. Showing others that you love them. Showing mercy to your enemies. And reconciling others back to Jesus. But you know, I'm not going to be hard on myself because I'm a work in progress. And if you're in conflict today, you too should take courage from this message and realise also that you're a work in progress. If you belong to Jesus, and we heard that song this morning, come as you are. And sometimes that's all you can do is come as you are to Jesus. But I have to say that the Lord has used me at times when I least expect him to. And I use testimony because it helps me try to project the message. So as you all know, I was at Bible college. And nine years ago at college, I was totally fed up in my first term of first year there. I was fed up with all the Christians with their happy smiles on their faces, all the ways of doing this, that, and the other, all the do-gooders. And I decided to skive off my lectures, uh, avoid all the happy people at lunchtime. And there was only one place that I was going, and that was a pub. But to get to the pub, I had to negotiate a park. And as I was entering the park, a rather large black man with bulging eyes and in obvious rage passed by me. He turned back to me and he says, Oi, mate, have you got a cigarette? And I says to him, well, as it happens, I have. He then said to me, I'm just about to, expletive, 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 just go and kill somebody. He says, somebody has really disrespected my mother. And I looked at him and I said, well, as it happens, I'm not in the best of moods myself today. And he says, well, what do you mean? So I told him I was at Bible college and that I was a Christian and that I was totally fed up with all the happy Christians that I had to deal with. He then said to me, sorry, I then said to him, I think the Lord may of a day in this moment for you and I. So we chatted. He told me about his life and that he felt aimless and always far away from his friends, his family, and that he constantly felt angry. So he prayed. And I prayed Jesus would give him peace about his situation and that God would grant him a good future. And he walked away happy and a lot calmer. 
I went for my pint. I returned to college, a very happy student who told me that I was missed. Happy days. Who says God doesn't work in mysterious ways? Well, certainly not me. The word peacemaker is comprised of two words, isn't it? Peace and then maker. And within the Jewish faith, the word for peace, as you know, is shalom, often used as a greeting or in saying goodbye. In its broadest term, the word peace is related to health, prosperity, harmony, and wholeness. When we say shalom to somebody, we are actually wishing, their, wishing somebody the full presence of peace and prosperity and the full blessings of God. You will know the famous blessing from Numbers 6, 24 to 25, which says, The Lord bless and protect you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. And the verse itself is saying that God will bring welfare, serenity, freedom from strife, and liberation from issues that hinder our daily life. And I honestly believe, and in reflection of what I've just told you, that God can do that even in the storms of our lives. One year ago, I was invited to our foreign office to speak about the crisis in the Congo. And people at the foreign office told me that they sent ambassadors from the UK to negotiate and speak to the government officials regarding the conflict in DIC, and rightly so. And they then asked me what I thought could be a solution to the crisis. And I said that when I'm sitting here in your office, I represent God. And that if they wanted peace, then they needed to invite Christian ministers, ministers from other faiths, to their negotiating tables. Christian ministers who had witnessed at first hand the atrocities that are taking place in DRC and right at this moment in time. And the people at the Foreign Office listened to me graciously, but that was as far as it went at this time. But here's the thing. Throughout the whole of the Holy Scriptures, peace is always based on God's justice. It's based on God's mercy, and it's based on God's righteousness. And without those godly virtues, peace is not possible. If you notice in the book of 1 and 2 Kings, when the ruling king loved and obeyed God, and the people of Israel followed God and his ways, God gave peace and prosperity to his people, including his protection. But when the ruling king disobeyed God and the people of Israel rebelled against the Lord, calamity always followed. So to be a peacemaker, we have to be teachable and learn to follow God's ways. We need to digest his word every single day of our lives in such a way that love, mercy, peace and his righteousness flows from our hearts. Now when you split the word peace and maker, the word maker means to do or to make. And in joining peace and maker together, the word formed as peacemaker speaks of energy. To go and take the initiative about something and then go and take action. 
Therefore, a peacemaker is somebody who actively pursues peace, even despite the odds against them. And that could be in a family situation, our workplaces, in a relationship that has gone sour, resolving a conflict in our community, or even on the global stage. A man, a man named William Barclay translated, blessed are the peacemakers as, they are people who provide right relationships in every sphere of life. You know, when God created and placed man on his earth, what was God really wanting Adam and Eve to accomplish? It was simply to enjoy God's creation and to live in peace and harmony. So God is the divine peacemaker. Yet we know that sin entered into the world and sin is in constant conflict with God. However, God is always many, many steps in front of Satan and our nemesis, the devil. God, by sending his one and only son into the world through Jesus' death and resurrection, with sin conquered for once and all, it allows us to become peacemakers for our Lord. Jesus' life absorbed his whole ministry and being during his mission on earth. Jesus understood the chasm and gulf between God and man. He understands grief and separation from God. And Jesus understands the broken heart, the fractured relationships of people. And Jesus understands the process to reconciliation and restoration that allows people to be at peace with each other. And God was pleased to reconcile mankind back to him because his son Jesus shed his precious blood at Calvary's cross for lost humanity. Jesus saw the gravity of man's sin. Jesus was a peacemaker because he refused to ignore the world's sins. He refuses to ignore your sins and my sins. Jesus was a peacemaker because he refused to sweep sin under the carpet. Jesus' sacrifice on Calvary's cross, the shedding of his blood, his death and resurrection, is a supreme example of how to bring peace into our hearts, into our relationships, our church, our nation, and the world. Don't we just long for one national leader or one world leader to stand up and say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and the true way to find peace. But I have to tell you that our way or the method of peacemaking is often never easy or even pretty. Peacemaking can be messy and even wrenching, meaning it often goes against the grain. Someone once said that peacemaking is like walking against a fast-flowing river and stepping upon wet, slippery stones whilst negotiating that fast-flowing stream. You know the journey to the other side of the stream is really needed to accomplish your mission. Yet in the process, you get bruised 
there is a prospect that you are going to fall. You know that your heart is going to race. And what happens if I get stuck halfway through my mission? The peacemaker and the peacemaking process can, as I said, be difficult. And I have a little bit of a smile on my face because, and here it comes, at my last message, oh, blessed are the merciful, I said something along the lines, as far as I know, I'm not called to like anybody. But the hallmark of the Christian is his or her ability to get along with others. And oh, how I long for a man cave with a little shed that I can just gently rock forwards and backwards and not really think about people. And I'm still having arguments with Ruth about getting a shed down the bottom of the garden. And maybe it will come, I don't know. But the testimony of God's church is its ability to love and get along with others. I say this because the Christian life, our own walk with the Lord, is a testimony of our Lord Jesus' church. God calls us to be bridge builders for his kingdom. We will sometimes agree with others and sometimes we would disagree. That is the challenges of our humanness. And we have to look carefully how we build bridges of peace. What steps and methods do we take and adopt? What way do we employ ourselves in reconciling others with Jesus and ourselves? And the Lord often directs this way by prayer, through reading scriptures. Apparently the most ignored verse in the Bible is, so if you're offering on the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother and then come offer your gift. And that's from Matthew 5, 23 to 24. As I said, Jesus never appeased anyone. His words often make him very unpopular. Yet his words set people free in their minds and within their spirits. When I'm in Africa, I'm amazed how many Christian pastors are in conflict with each other. And often jealousy is the cause. And I've forgotten how many pastors are spoken to and remind them that they are servants and serving the king of God together. So let's not let bitterness, anger, jealousy or unforgiveness mar our work for the Lord. In closing, Jesus in saying, blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called the sons of God. This verse indicates in its fullness that we are being assigned and designated as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Do you believe this morning that you're an ambassador for Christ in whatever you do, whether it's at work, whether you're retired, whether you're a, a child and you've given your life to Jesus, you become an ambassador for Christ. And it's holding an official office to the highest authority in both heaven and earth. In effect, we become a spokesperson for Jesus. And we know and are told that in the Bible, our faith in Jesus makes us children of God. 
Yet by being known as the sons of God, it becomes a statement of position and character. A son of God bears all the hallmarks of one who carries the family name of Christ Jesus. It carries the spotless and sinless reputation of Jesus. As sons and daughters of God, we are recognized by the name that is above all names, Jesus. And we share in his mission and the assignment that is given to each of us to carry out. And that is to bear the mark of being peacemakers in this world, in all its beauty, in all its glory, in all its sin, and in all its shame. 700 years ago, St. Francis of Assisi walked this earth. He could have lived a wealthy and noble life, yet he chose a life of poverty. Wearing a ragged robe with a rope from a scarecrow tied around his waist, he spent his days preaching, ministering, giving to others, and taking his message of the gospel of peace to a hurting world. History records him as being humble and Christ-like in all he did. Centuries later, someone translated one of his prayers into English and then to music. We can look at the Beatitudes in three ways. We can dismiss them. We can perhaps view them as impossible to apply to our lives. Or we can embrace them as we are, as weak earthen vessels to be used by the Lord with all our faults and insecurities and allow the Lord to make us peacemakers and the sons of God for his kingdom and for his glory. Let us bow in he uh, our heads in prayer and I will read the, uh, St. Francis of Assisi's prayer. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. And where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. In Jesus' mighty name. Shalom and amen.